Welcome to the Encounter Christian Church Message Podcast, where we bring you the latest messages from our Sunday services. To find out more about Encounter or to plan your visit with us, you can find us online at www.encounter.cc. We hope you enjoyed this message. Awesome. Let's just start by praying today, I think. If you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Lord, we thank you that you're here this morning. And that you've ordained this day. And that in this moment right now, Lord God, you want to deliver a message that will transform lives. And so, Lord, today as I speak your word, that your word would penetrate hearts today. And that whatever people are facing this week, Lord God, that there would be revelation of your goodness, revelation of your will. And that full restoration would happen in people's lives today, Lord. So I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I just have to start by saying I'm pretty tired today. <laughs> it's been a big week, but uh, I've, uh, I've overcome some challenges this week, and, uh, but I've, I've managed to put something together that I believe God wants to say today. And, uh, you know, the devil doesn't ever want God's word to go out. Did you know that? And uh, so sometimes he puts obstacles in the way, and that definitely happened for me this week. And uh, for me, that highlights to me that God had a special word for today. He had a very important word today, and the devil didn't want to say it this week. So let me encourage you. I think we're going to see some lives change today. (laughs) So we've been doing this series called Soul Food, and uh, Pastor Aston unbeknownst to her, started the first week. She didn't know she started the series. And she started off uh, by talking about the daily uh, practice of reading your Bible and how reading your Bible will actually sustain you throughout the day. Such a simple uh, lesson, but so powerful. And uh, so she gave us the, the, uh, the entree to our uh, all-you-can-eat buffet. And uh, then Pastor Robbie, in week two and week three, he continued uh, the series, and he, he took us, he opened up the, uh, the buffet, and uh, the second week he talked about uh, the Good Shepherd and how knowing and hearing his voice is actually food for our soul. And then uh, week three, he then talked about uh, the potter's house. And how when we position ourselves in the potter's house, uh, we position ourselves to hear from God. And it gives him the opportunity to, to shape and mould our lives when we do that. And so this week, I thought it was appropriate that I serve up dessert. Who likes dessert? Dessert's my favourite part of the meal, just so you know. Sometimes I just get through the meal just so I can get to this part. And uh, I'm a bit of a sweet tooth. And uh, I love a good, uh, hot, either chocolate mud cake or fudge or uh, chocolate brownie. He loves chocolate brownie. Heated with ice cream and topping. Who's hungry now? (laughs) That's my Achilles heel right there. Yeah, that's right. I'm human. It's all good. 
Now, if you think about dessert, it, is, it doesn't serve much purpose in life, does it? Now, think about it. Think about it. I don't really sit around thinking about dessert uh, philosophically much. And I don't think many people do either. But this week I did. And I realised that dessert only serves one purpose in life, and that is to be enjoyed. That's the only, the only purpose it has in life. And so today, because I'm dishing up dessert, I thought I would uh, stick with that line of enjoyment and uh, talk about the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness. Now, I've been pretty open about my journey uh, as a Christian from the pulpit, and uh, so today I want to share a bit more about that journey and the things that I've learnt on my pursuit of happiness. And, uh, you know, my younger years were pretty, pretty awesome. I had a good family, Christian home, um, went to a good school uh, through primary school, um, not so much in high school. That was probably the turn of bad things in my life. Um, but pretty good upbringing, missions trips with my families and things like that. And, uh, but as I grew up, I had this core belief that actually uh, really dictated my decision-making in life. And that core belief was that life was all about having fun. That was my core belief right up until my early 20s. And uh, there's actually an appropriateness to this type of thinking, like when we're, when we're young and children and teenagers, you know, psychiatrists and psychologists and child specialists actually say it's good for us to, to have fun because it's through play and things like that that we learn and learn about ourselves and learn about other people. But there comes a point where we must grow up and we must um, take on a new mindset but where the, where the issue is, is when we hang on to these old belief systems, they can interfere with our adult life. And so this was true for me early on in my adult life. See, I, I thought that having fun was the only thing that mattered in life. And this was evidenced by the way that I lived my life. See, I loved partying, I loved surfing, um, if there was fun, I was there, and I was probably the main instigator of it most of the time. And, uh, but the problem was, when fun is your priority, uh, all your other priorities get left behind. And so, you know, I, I lost two jobs in two years when I was uh, in my party days, because I would go partying all weekend, and then all week I just didn't have energy or strength to do the job properly. And uh, I didn't have any money, I had no life skills. Um, and then when I got married, actually, and I, I was a Christian by this time, um, I still was learning these things. And, uh, you know, I, I actually had a failed business early on in our uh, marriage. And, uh, you know, I got some bad advice from a tax accountant, unfortunately, and a friend and I went into business together and we, we got a loan and started our business. And uh, it, was, it was destined to fail from the beginning, unfortunately, but, but we pursued it. Uh, but what, 
when we didn't have work, instead of going to look for work, because I still had this mindset of having fun, I would just go surfing. My mate and I would just go surfing. Because for me, there was still a priority to have fun in life. And so that sort of caused, you know, these natural consequences. I lost the business and hardship fell on us and, and uh, we had to come back from that. And so I started to change my life and, and put new skills in my life and learn how to manage my time and manage my money and manage my family. And that's been a journey in and of itself. But the thing that, uh, that really I found hard was I was getting all these things put in place, but I was still unfulfilled in what I was doing. I was, you know, going to work. I was looking, trying my best to look after my family. I was managing my finances, but I was still unfulfilled. And, and I thought I was doing the right thing. As a Christian, you know, I was following Jesus, doing the right thing. And, uh, and so I went on this journey. I, would actually, I went through so many jobs from when I got out of school to... Not that long ago, actually. <laughs> Maybe uh, we'll go 10 years ago. How's that? that that's better. <laughs> it's not that bad, Pastor Robbie. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm just trying to make a point. <laughs> you know, I, I w- would regularly have a job for 12 months or two years. And, uh, you know, I would start a job really enthusiastic. And I went into a job with this mindset thinking, you know, this is the job. Like, this is, this is what I'm, I was hoping that this was the job that I was called to do. I was looking, I was on this pursuit to find purpose and meaning and, and to find happiness in what I was doing. But what would happen is, 12 months in, I'd be over it. I wasn't doing what I enjoyed and so I'd become really disappointed and and really frustrated, and, and so I would move sideways in my role, or I, I would look for another job, and I became really frustrated in life, and I remember going through, who, who here has Facebook and Instagram? You know, most people, or Snapchat, or whatever it is you have, and I would sit at night time, and go through my feed, and I'd be looking at other people's lives, and just thinking, how come they've got everything that I don't have? You know, I'd look at all my mates on the coast and I'd be like, why do they get to live at the beach? Like, why am I in Shepparton? <laughs> Just being honest. When, and I love Shepparton, don't get me wrong, but I love the beach more. That's because that was my priority in life. That's what I grew up doing. I, I, I loved surfing. And so I... I just couldn't understand, like, why God would allow me to feel this way. I became very frustrated and I would look at everybody else's highlight reel and wonder where I missed it. And do you know, I've discovered that I'm not alone in this pursuit of happiness. I'm not alone in this pursuit. I've discovered that every single person is on this pursuit. You know, since uh, working with people, you know, I've, done, I've been a chaplain, I've worked in welfare and youth work, And now as a pastor, I've heard so many stories of people looking for happiness and not finding it. You know, especially in youth work, I've just seen so many families that are just trying to put the pieces back together 
and we would be looking after their, uh, their teenagers while their family was falling apart. And there was this one underlying issue that presented itself all the time, and it was just wanting to feel good. People wanted to feel good. And so with this motivating factor in their life, they would make decision after decision that was only ever founded in them feeling good. And it was this that I believe is the core issue at most people's lives. We all want to feel good. And so we go on this quest to find happiness. And so this morning, I believe I can help you find the answer to this quest. So in John 4, I believe that the answer to this question lies in this story. See, John 4 is the story commonly known as the woman at the well or the Samaritan woman. And I want to I set the scene for you this morning because I don't want to read the whole passage. It's too long to read, but I want to set the scene for you because there's so much going on in this story that I believe that there's a real key to, to, to the answer of what we're asking today. Now, Jesus and his disciples, Jesus is from Galilee, Nazareth. He's just been down uh, to Jerusalem, which is a three-day journey by foot. And they had visited Jerusalem uh, for the Passover festival. And then him and his disciples, they go out to the Jordan River from there and they are spending time in the countryside uh, baptising people. And so, uh, Jesus isn't actually doing the baptising, it's his disciples that are doing the baptising. But what happens is, whilst uh, all these people are getting baptised, his fame is actually starting to spread. He's drawing attention to himself because lots of people are coming to get baptised. So much so that the Pharisees said, who is this guy that is baptising more people than John the Baptist? Now, at this point, John the Baptist had already been beheaded. And so, it became apparent to Jesus that his life was in danger at that moment because the Pharisees didn't like what he was doing. So, with this knowledge, him and his disciples decided to return to Galilee. They thought it's important that we move on from here. And so, they started the three-day trek back to Galilee Now, when you go back to Galilee from Jerusalem, you have to uh, go through a place called Samaria. Now, the Jews hated Samaritans, just so you know. They, with a passion. Actually, Israelites detested the Samaritans. Now, it's important to understand the Samaritans were once a part of the Israelite community. But what happened is they intermarried with Uh, people who weren't Israelites and that was actually an abomination to Israelites and so the Israelites and the Jews they rejected the Samaritans and didn't uh, they wouldn't talk to them they wouldn't go near them they had fights over who where they uh, where the temple was and uh, the Samaritans actually had their own uh, version of the the Jewish temple which they would worship at 
So the normal trek to get to Galilee, the, the, the normal route was to go around Samaria. They would, they would avoid it at all costs and get to Nazareth that way. But not Jesus. See, Jesus thought he would take the direct route through Samaria. Now, he, to get to a place called Sychar, which is where he ended up in this story, this is where Jacob's well is. From Jerusalem, it's a two-day trek to get to, the, to Jacob's well. And according to scholars, he would have got there about 6 p.m. at night. So it was late in the evening. They arrive in Sychar to Jacob's well, and before he gets to the well, he actually sends his disciples off to go and get some food because they would have been hungry. And so the disciples are gone. Jesus arrives at this well. He sits at the well, exhausted, tired, wanting, probably wanting to have a sleep, probably hungry, and yet he is presented with the woman at the well. Now, I don't know about you. If I was Jesus in this moment, I wouldn't have wanted to talk to anyone. And I think it's here in lies the key to our answer today. See, Jesus is tired. His life is in, in danger. He's hungry. And he's in a place where he knows he's not meant to be, according to the culture. And yet, in this moment, he takes the opportunity to change one person's life. So what was it that motivated Jesus in this moment? See, Jesus never really thought about temporal things. He, he actually didn't care for the things of this world at all. He was tired, hungry, in danger, and yet none of these things mattered to him in this moment. See, this woman was an opportunity for Jesus to share who he was. And it was in this moment that he actually transformed a whole town and a whole village. See, that, he had a moment with this woman that he told her everything that she had done, things that he couldn't know of, proving that he was the Messiah. She then went away and told the whole village what was going on, and they, invited, uh, they all came back to check out Jesus, and then they invited Jesus back to the town where he, he ministered for two days, changing that whole town. Now, it's after this that we need to understand where Jesus actually gives us the insight into what is going on. See, the reason he was able to act in that moment and not just want to do nothing is found in John 4, verse 28 to 34. And it says this, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward town. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. 
But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. This is the key this morning. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? This is the kicker. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. See, Jesus wasn't motivated by temporal things. He was actually motivated by eternity. He had a larger goal in mind when it came to living this life. You know, we are presented with temporal things in this world all the time. You know, we, we chase after the things that I spoke about earlier, careers and jobs and relationships and comfort and food and, and uh, all in the hope of feeling good. But Jesus did the opposite in this moment because he had a food that was different to this food. He had a food that came from knowing the will of the Father. Knowing the will of the Father was what supplied him uh, the energy and the strength to do whatever it was that he did every day. Do you know, temporal things are only temporal. And so when we put our hope and our trust in these temporal things, hoping that they'll make us happy, when we don't have them, we're not happy anymore. You know, the BBC produced an article last year titled State of Sport 2018. Half of retired sports people have concerns over mental health and emotional well-being. Half, over half of retired athletes. This highlights to me the mindset of our culture. The mindset is if you can attain status or achievement or, um, you know, fulfill your dream of becoming this thing that is temporal, you've made it. You've attained it. But when it's over, it's over. And so you're trying to find happiness again, but because you've already hit the height of your, the thing that you wanted, you have to go and find something else again. But Jesus had a different thing that, that drove him and motivated him that was not temporal. It was not tied to this world. It was actually tied to eternity. So we need to understand that when Jesus created this world, it was never meant to be a temporary thing. See, creation is an expression of who he is. I was looking at uh, Pastor Kathy's paintings the other day. She brought him into the office. She loves painting. And, uh, you know, painting is great. I've got to be careful how I say this now. <laughs> Sorry. Hear me when I say this. Painting has no other purpose like dessert other than to be enjoyed. Yeah. 
Kathy spends her time painting it and enjoying it, making it. But the only thing you can do with it after that is hang it on a wall and look at it. <laughs> and then there is enjoyment looking at it. In a similar way, when, G- when God created the heavens and the earth, the only reason he created his motivation was to enjoy it. Do you know when he created you and me, his prize jewel in the creation, it was only so he could enjoy our company. And that was only ever to be for eternity. See, what happened was, though, sin entered the world and changed that plan. And so God's motivation changed. It changed in that He still wanted to be with us forever. Sorry, hang on a minute. He always wanted to be with us. What changed is the mission. See, the purpose was to always be with him. But when sin entered the world, it created a divide where we could no longer be with him. And so his whole purpose was to draw us back into that place where we could be with him forever. So he had to come up with a plan, and that plan was Jesus. See, Jesus is the plan and the motivation that he put in place and has now become our mission. See, Jesus calls us to this mission and uh, invites us into partnering with him of restoring things to back to the way he originally designed them. And it was this motivation and this plan that motivated Jesus in everything that he did whilst he was on earth. And you see, if we're going to find happiness in this world, I think we can take a leaf out of Jesus' book and start to follow the way that he operated in this world. See, his desire was to reconnect us all back to Jesus, uh, back to God forever. That plan of living together forever. And so he has this plan to get as, as many as he can back into this original plan. He, this is God's number one motivation right now. This is his will. And this is the food that Jesus is talking about in John 4. See, I've discovered for myself that uh, when we partner with Jesus in this plan that we become a part of God's will in this way, you'll never want anything else. See, it's okay to have all these other things. Don't get me wrong. It's okay to have a job. It's okay to get married and have relationships and eat food and eat dessert and do paintings and go surfing. And, you know, after the service, we're actually doing growth track, which helps you to discover those things that God's created you for so that you can actually do those things. But the key to your happiness isn't founded in these things. They're good and they make you happy, but the long-term happiness, the joy that is everlasting, lies in eternity. It is the food of uh, God's will. See, God uh, doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants to live in eternity with everyone. 
See, uh, 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. See, this is actually Peter talking about the day of the Lord when He is to come back again. See, Jesus said there will be a day when Jesus comes back and, and um, where he will take all the saints to be with him and to live with him forever. And so G- God is holding off on this day as long as he can because he wants every, as many people to live in eternity with him. This is his biggest motivation because we are his prized possession. See, my whole motivation this morning, the thing that Jesus put on my heart this morning was that we needed to break the lie that happiness is found in things. See, joy is in a relationship. It is in a relationship with Jesus Christ, which he made a way for by dying on the cross so that we could live in unity forever and ever, even after this life is done. You know, when I think about living in Shepparton, and, you know, I mentioned earlier before that I, for me personally, I would love to live at the beach. Like, in my, in my natural, who I am and what I love, I just love the beach. That's what I grew up doing. But I've actually found something so much better than that, which is what motivates me to be here. See, I believe God wants to do something in Shepparton. See, He has a plan for this place. He wants to see every single person in Shepparton come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, knowing Him and loving Him. And it's this motivation that keeps me in Shepparton long term. I would rather uh, partner with Jesus in this mission than do anything else in life. And I believe he wants to do that here without a doubt in my mind. And I'm in for it. Is anybody else in for that? The band could come. Yeah, Greg and Sess, they came back. They went for two years and they saw the light. They came back because they know God's going to do something. And in fact, he's already doing something. You know, Pastor Kathy mentioned to me before I got up, you know, this week's been a tough week. A lot of stuff has been going on in a lot of people's lives. And for me, that just highlights that the devil's not happy with what God's doing. I didn't have this in my notes, but there's a scripture in, in I think it's Isaiah, where he talks about uh, the new thing that he's doing in the desert. He's causing springs to come forth, and he's, and he's, and it's actually a a prophecy about the future and what he's doing now. And we're actually living in that prophecy right now. See, Shepherdon. When I first came here, I thought, what am I getting myself into, God? I'm just being honest. 
It was a new place. It didn't have the things that I enjoyed doing. I was like, what am I doing here? And uh, God, God, when he sent me here, he gave me this one scripture, and I've shared this many times before. He says, in the last days, I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. And it's this promise that I believe will come to pass in this town. See, I think we're going to see the biggest move of God that this town has ever seen. Without a doubt, I believe it with all my heart. And I'm going after it. And I, I would love you to come after it with me. So if I could get everybody to stand this morning. Now please, I love Shepparton. I actually love Shepparton. That was a journey for me to go through. And it's not just Shepparton. It wouldn't have mattered where I was. It's just that I wasn't at the beach anymore. Unless I was living at the beach, it could have been different. But, but you know, I missed friends and family and all these things. But uh, God's, God's stripped those things away and he's brought me back to the core thing that matters in life. And that is to, to know the Father and to live for Him and to, to be a part of His plans and His purpose. And so this morning, I, I just want to pray over you. You know, I don't know what you're going through this week, what mountains you're facing, what obstacles you're facing, but I just want to let you know that God sees them all. He knows where you're at and He knows what you're going through. And like things that are good and how they're temporal, so are bad things. They don't last forever. They soon will pass. There is a time for everything, the Bible says. So this morning, I just want to encourage you and I want to pray for you, whatever you're going through. I just want to see breakthrough in your life today. And I believe God does too. So if you just raise your hands with me right now, I'd love to pray over you. Heavenly Father, I just ask right now that you would start to minister in people's lives. Lord, I just pray that you would reveal yourself, your love in the situations that people are going through right now, Lord God. And Lord, I just pray your peace would rest on everyone's life right now. And that there would be a reassurance that you're going to come through no matter what, Lord God. And Lord, where people need healing this morning, I just declare healing right now. And by your authority, Lord God, we just declare healing right now in every situation, Lord Jesus. Lord, we declare restoration, we declare hope, we declare power, and we just thank you that you're already moving in a mighty way, Lord God. But also we pray this morning, God, for a realigning of our plans and purposes to yours, Lord. 
Lord, I pray that there would be a revelation right now in every single person's life that true happiness lies in you. And Lord, I'd start that, I pray that you would uh, place dreams and desires and put a burden on people's life right now to chase after your will, Lord God. And I pray that this would be the number one, motive factor, uh, number one motivating factor of this church, God, is to see your plans and purposes established here on earth and in Shepparton, Lord God. Lord, I pray that our decision-making would be prioritized by your will, Lord God. And that this would become food for our soul, Lord. I thank you for this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To stay in touch with Encounter, follow us on Instagram at encounter.cc or find us on Facebook at encounter.shepherdon.